0: Shelly and I uh, traveled up to Modesto yesterday for our family reunion. We were trying to figure out how many there have been, but there have been about as many as there are years we've been married, so that's a lot of family reunions, a lot of history, it's great to, we need name tags, though, because it's really difficult, all these little ones running around to keep all their names straight. But uh, got home a little before seven, and uh, anyway, I lost my balance, and I hit something very blunt right here. I couldn't take a deep breath for quite a while, Shelley, being, she's still a nurse in my mind, but... Uh, kept encouraging me, take a deep breath, fill your lungs. I said, I can't, I can't. But I slept well. I woke up. Um, I've just, I just wanted you to know I'm, I'm not feeling my usual energy. It reminded me, though, that when we come and, you know, we'd all like to be at the top of our game and feeling 100% fit, writing um, a a wonderful week and you come in rejoicing before the Lord but it's not that way is it we often bring cares concerns maybe things are rough at home for one reason or another there's work to go back to for some of us tomorrow or you know more vacation for some but schools out there but in other words you know we're all dialed a little differently and and we run at different temperatures depending on what's going on in our lives and it is meaningful and it is powerful to all in unison think and sing the same thoughts that are grounded in our individual experience some may be fairly recent and shallow in a sense, uh, maybe not walking with the Lord that long, and some some of us may be very, very deep, but we all are drawn to the strains of those great truths that we lend our voices to, and we hear each other singing together, and it, God's moving in, in our individual lives, and we're our register is lifted and our eyes are lifted and our hearts may even struggle a little bit because we've maybe had a difficult week or we've had some defeats along the way we always want to be a better version of ourselves we always as we inspire seek to be to inspire Christ likeness we are often aware that we can fall short and uh, and then we sing these wonderful wonderful expressions of our faith, and sometimes for us it's like, I want that so much to be true of me, but even as I'm singing, I know it's not all that, and this falls very much in line with what I want to bring to our attention this morning in the letter to Thyatira, in Revelation chapter 2, verses 18 through 29. Because... You, you never want to stop growing. I mean, maybe there are other ways I can put that. We never, as Christians, graduate... We never stop learning. We keep on learning. We are to be always changing and growing and becoming more like Christ. And that means that we are imperfect but we're on a course that God has set for us. And if we just keep our eyes on Christ, if we keep following Him, we will see growth. We'll keep growing. And that's, that's really the emphasis that I want to cause us to feature as we think about uh, Reve- Revelation chapter 2, verses 18 through 19, Christ's message to the church of Thyatira. If you have your New Testament open to Revelation, I'd like to read that together. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, the words of the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your works, your love, and faith. And I think when we read faith, We really should think faithfulness here. It's the same word. Uh, Your love, your faithfulness, you could think loyalty, and service and patient endurance or steadfast endurance, and that your latter works exceed the first. You should really underscore that in your thinking. It's so easy in these letters to just read them all flat, you know, as though they're all of the same bearing and importance. But the fact of the matter is, when he says that, he says, you're growing. You've grown. That's a huge commendation. that's, That's great praise. We haven't heard that and I want you to notice it. But, verse 20, I have this against you, that you tolerate that woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. But in the rest but to the rest of you in Thyatira who do not hold to the teaching who have not learned that what some call the deep things of Satan to you I say I do not lay on you any other burden in other words I have I have nothing further for you to do than what you're already doing Verse 25, only, and here he repeats what he said at the beginning in shorthand, only hold fast what you have. Uh, What do they have? Well, these works that he draws our attention to at the very beginning. Love, serving, serving others, putting others first. It's, it's a word that is used a very menial service to others. Like, like in a family, if you say, uh, Jimmy, get up from the table and pour everybody a glass of water. You know? That service that meets the needs helps others. Faithfulness. And then that leads to steadfast endurance. So this this is a, a really strong encouragement. And then verse 26, The one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron, as when earthen pots are broken in pieces, even as I myself have received authority from my Father. And I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Keep growing, but root out weeds of compromise. Keep growing, but root out weeds of compromise. Compromise doesn't have to be something negative, but when it takes the place of things that are so vital to our Christian walk uh, or prevent us from growing. They kind of stifle us. Uh, we, we, We quit excelling yesterday's version of ourselves. So then compromise becomes detrimental and it actually can Cause us to stop growing, and worse, then we can start to reverse, if you will, uh, our growth. I'd like to concentrate for a moment and just draw your attention to the very first work. These, you know, maybe you've been kind of raised to think it's all of faith, there are no works. Um, Faith versus works kind of thing. But works is used here of faith in action, faith on the move, faith that isn't just all in your head but actually comes out in the character of your life. And here are some traits of faith Uh, Love, service, faithfulness, endurance. But I wanted to focus on love because love is that first fruit, if you will, or the first... Anyway, that's uh, the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, etc. All those strong qualities are because of the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. In fact, in Galatians 5, the entire chapter is given, as Paul says, takes up that subject in various places, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, Romans chapter 5, and elsewhere, the, the the flesh versus the spirit. The flesh versus the spirit. I was talking to my older cousin yesterday, cousin-in-law. Not that I do have an actual cousin-in-law who is an attorney, he wasn't there, but this cousin-in-law is my cousin by marriage, really fine guy, and we were talking about the Word and talking about our lives and sharing, catching up, and I don't know why, I just, I guess I was kind of preaching to him in a way that he didn't recognize, not that he needed it, Um, he's an example to me, but in the context, his eyes lit up when I talked about the battle between the flesh and the spirit. A lot of Christians don't realize that battle is a part of the proof that the Holy Spirit is at work in your lives. And you are warring against the influences of our world and the influences of your old nature. When we were in Ephesians we talked a lot about the new race that we are in Christ because of the resurrection. We're on our way to resurrection existence through the Holy Spirit that's been poured out into our lives. That Spirit, that presence of God, that all that truth that we package in one word, the gospel. But boy, when we start unpacking it, there is so much to it. And it runs deep. It runs horizontal. It runs back to the beginning of creation and to the end of time as we know it because it's God's redemptive plan. And at this point in time which has divided history, become the center of history, Jesus Christ was born. His ministry begun, announcing the coming of the kingdom of God. And his death defeated the powers of Satan And the opponents of God's plan and purpose in Christ his resurrection was the demonstration of his power and new life and new existence a vision of who we are and are to be in Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit is that down payment I am I'm not making this stuff up I'm converting scripture to you as i talk you're familiar even with the word down payment or pledge of this new life that is ours that's the life that we've entered into by faith through baptism what happens in baptism i die and i'm raised to newness of life that's quite an initiation that is a powerful Event in our lives that is a hallmark of what I'm talking about. That's the truth. That's the rooting. That's the infrastructure. Those are the, those deep foundations of this stuff we talk about when we talk about love. It's rooted in the very heart of God, in His redemptive plan, in Jesus Christ, in the voice of the gospel, in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Romans 5, what does the Spirit do in our lives? Brings joy and love. His fruit, love, joy, and not just This isn't thin stuff that I'm talking about. This love, this service, this faithfulness, this endurance. Those words can be co opted They can be counterfeited by the world. You know this. It's in our music. It's in our stories. And all those counterfeits are a compromise of the love that God is calling us to, not only to receive, that is not based on the merit of our lives, not earned by our looks, by our degrees, our diplomas, our efforts, our athletic prowess, our builds, our hair color, or anything else. That love is rooted in his willful choice to love us. We call that grace his favor. And here, Jesus, the Son of God, maybe you caught that. Remember, all these titles go back to chapter 1 in the vision of John. All of these elements, if you will, are characteristics of the exalted Christ, the resurrected Christ. And as the Son of God, we see the whole scope Of God's redemptive work. In Psalm chapter 2, that's where this word, Son of God, is rooted when we read it here. Psalm 2, I don't know if you've ever read the psalm. It's called an enthronement psalm. Verse 7 of Psalm 2 is the basis of what the Father utters to the Son when Jesus is baptized you are my son in whom I'm well pleased. That's what's behind this expression. How do I know that? Because Son of God is not confined to that. We know that not just from the beginning but from the ending when he talks about ruling over the nations and with a rod of iron. That goes to Psalm 2 verse 8 and 9. In other words, when we read this and I remember reading it earlier this week I thought this is amazing because the emperors of Rome beginning with Augustus because he deified Julius Caesar he's now a son of God and it it, 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 when when he would bring out Empire-wide news, it's even called good news. Just like the gospel, the very word. Celebrating the birth, commemorating the birth of the Son of God. So, then you get down to the end, and what Jesus says to the people of Thyatira, he says, "If, if you conquer, you'll rule with me. What kind of power does this Son of God have who's talking to us? Power over all the nations. Who has power like that? Rome. Has anyone ever had greater power than Rome? And now Jesus says this is this is the contest Between that earthling emperor and me. Between the earthling empire and the empire of the kingdom of God, if you will. We wouldn't even call it an empire because he's a goodly king, he's not a monarch or a dictator. So I hope I'm trying to bring into view what's happening here, because when when Jesus says, keep doing what you're doing, I commend you because you're growing. Your last works, your latest works, yesterday's works, today's works are greater than your first. And you ought to keep doing that until I come. That's what he says in verse 25. You ought to keep doing that. you got to hold on to that. And why? Because that's the issue at compromise with Jezebel. Because her compromise, just as we saw last week, is a compromise that has to do with cozying up to the culture of Rome going along to get along in such a way that yeah you can thrive in this this life a little bit more you may not suffer for my name you may not face hardships but it's not the same love it's not the same gospel and he doesn't want us to enter into such compromise. To put it simply, we've got to love Jesus more than our own lives, and that's pretty hard to do in a culture that constantly puts you first, puts me first. It's all about me. It's all about you. Commercials, music, everything, even convenience. Everything plays to your heart's desire. And our battle is different than that of Thyatira. Um, It's it's amazing to me uh, all the detail that it would be fun to share and talk about. Um, Words that are used here that Clearly, are a reflection of the setting and the and the and the what we know about that city at that time. It was made up of it, it, lots of guilds. It was it, I would call it an industrial city. I lived in an industrial city once. It hadn't it, it had become gentrified, but it, it was once proud of all of its mills and trades. And remember, um, in Acts 16. Um, Lydia is from Thyatira. She's a purple seller. Uh, the issue of his bronze feet, his blazing eyes, well, there are forges, and there are, the city's known for its uh, bronze working, bronze smiths. Uh, they had a background as a military outpost, and they probably certainly made weapons and things like that. But as I said and alluded last week, to go along you had to, and get along, you had to be a part of the mini guilds. And I know it's hard for us to understand, but it would be like being a scab worker and not being union in a union town. And everything's at stake. So that's the compromise because when you were involved in a union then, if I can call them that, there was all these religious and political pieces to it that were directly opposed to Jesus and the truth of the gospel and you had to engage in those things and there it was a really loose why it just seems so foreign to us our world is moving in that direction but The description here of Jezebel, uh, again, she's a seductress. She's she is a source of deception. That's the big thrust. the The historical Jezebel that goes back into the Old Testament was the queen of Ahab's, and she came. The king shouldn't have married The, the the. the Jewish king shouldn't have married a foreigner, but she brought her love of Baal and the gods with her, and she sponsored, it says, 850 Baal priests. It was that Situation that Elijah entered him when he called down fire from heaven and defeated the prophets of Baal. That's the Jezebel. She had holy men put to death. This is not her here. This is an allusion to that Jezebel to say this one, like her, is directly opposing what I'm calling you to uphold and you've got to go deeper, and you've got to grow, and you've got to root that out and hold on to the truth. Why? Let me just take a moment there. I I wish I could go into more detail, but I want to talk about this growth thing for just a moment, Uh, and I only have a moment. in the church it's i think it's 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 been the nature of things that we come to christ but then we cover up our shortcomings we hide those things you know some people say hey we appreciate because you're transparent well ever since i Got into the pastorate, I realized that I was I'm just a discipler. I'm trying to disciple you in your faith. I can't disciple you if you if you can't see me as a real human being. How can I encourage and strengthen you if you don't think that I have the same kinds of problems you do and I've been at this for over 40 years and I'm still around but the the take home from that is I'm still growing I'm still changing and you should be too you graduated from high school. Maybe you graduated from college. Maybe you got an advanced degree. Maybe you, in, in uh, your business sphere, you went on to added education. I know Shelley, as a nurse had ongoing education. We as Christians are to be engaged in ongoing education of the most serious and important kind. I just tell you briefly. Uh, Shelley and I hadn't been married that long. It might have been even our first year of marriage. And um, you know, you feel so insecure. At least I did. That was probably more for, on my side than than hers. And she talked to me about the fact that I wasn't holding her hand. It's it's kind of like I was one of those guys that when I was in the hunt but then when I had my prey my emotional life changed and um, I I became kind of insecure and I didn't have that swag you know and Shelly brought it up to my attention this created a big crisis for me like you can't talk to me about something like that I can't admit what is going on inside. That would make me super vulnerable, wouldn't it? I, 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 you would, I would have to confess, and I'd have to level with you about my insecurities. So I got angry about it. And then we didn't talk about it. I think maybe two weeks passed. And uh, she was walking just a little ahead of me, and I thought, okay. And I walked up beside her, and I took her hand, and she said, think you're clever, don't (laughs) you? Oh, man. Talk about a swag killer. We didn't use the word swag back then, but trying to translate. More time passed. Could have been a month or more, and I remember it was early evening. We were in the kitchen. I was sitting at the table, and I brought the subject up because God had shown me something. That's why I remember all this, because what what I was shown, what I thought through with the Lord and came to realize is that I was struggling with the fact that if she had to tell me the right things to do, that it was somehow false, fake, artificial, you know? It it didn't really come from me. She had to tell me what I needed to be doing so I would be making it happen but it wouldn't come from the depths of my heart you know the real me that's what I want so I couldn't engage in that but then you see I realized as we were talking I I brought this that I said Shelley I've come to realize that those kinds of changes are what God empowers me to do through faith when I obey him and follow his word and that this is this is these are things that i can do naturally because of the holy spirit in me and that this is the way god operates in changing and improving my life that was a huge breakthrough i don't know if that makes any sense to you maybe it seems too convoluted and involved <laughs> or you think my goodness what a web of Strange stuff is going on in your head. But we are to be people of change. And if we're to be people of change, then that means we're to be people of repentance. Because repentance is change. Repentance isn't just one, one, uh, something you do once in your life. I repent several times a day. I think that's the healthiest way to live. Repent. You could go, oh, Lord, you're over there. I'm going to go in your direction. Oh, my attitude is (laughs) way off here. Lord, I'm going to repent. I'm going to set my eyes on you. I'm going to love you more than I love myself. That's that's what it's all about in your marriages, at work, even when it's something that's private and it's just such a hard thing for you. Put your eyes on him. Love him more than you love yourself. Because when you love yourself more than you love him, you'll be open to deception. You'll be open to all the Jezebels of life. And you won't be open to Jesus Christ. There's a lot to the gospel, sure. There's a big old Bible that you could spend your life understanding, and you'd feel like, don't make it complicated. Jesus gave us two things to repeatedly do as Christians uh, either baptizing new disciples or being baptized ourselves. That's, that's entry. And this, the bread and the cup. This bread, Jesus giving his life for you. That's why you can love him more than your own life. This cup, new life. Oh, boy, it's so hard to die to yourself. But it's not nothing. It's something more, the new covenant. This is what we observe on a regular basis. It calls us back to these fundamental truths that I think are at the heart of of this letter to Thyatira, praising them that they're continuing to grow in this and reminding them, beware of compromise. There's nothing like the gospel out there. Don't settle for second best. Don't give your life up to things that will not reward you and make you more like the greatest man who ever lived. The God-man, Jesus Christ, who gave his life for us, who showed us grace and love like the world has never seen. That's who inspires us, that's who we live for. And yes, we'll stumble, but we get up and we keep following in his footsteps. On the night he was betrayed, when he had blessed, he took bread, blessed and broke it, and he said, this is my body.